G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, very good evening, everyone. Welcome along to Tuesday night on another edition of Time On. Damian Watson here filling in for Sammy Hargraves. Great to have your company wherever you may be listening as you drive home or depending on what type of shift you do, you might be driving into work at this point. Plenty of news around sports-wise. Obviously, the AFL trade period is a big talking point on this penultimate night of its calendar slot before deadline day tomorrow. Although, it's fair to say nothing has really happened today in terms of deals. Happy to hear your predictions, though, as to what is to arise in the climax for your club, but also... How well your club has fared so far in the trade period. one 736 736 to call in to have your say on the news of the day. You can text it as well on the Temper text machine. 0433-981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. It appears as if Jordan Clark, Jordan Dawson and Bobby Hill will have to wait to hear their trade fate tomorrow. Although it was reported by John Ralph only a matter of about half an hour ago that Essendon has put up a future second round pick on the table for Bobby Hill. So all of a sudden it looked as if initially Essendon were first in the running amongst the Victorian clubs that it was going to be Collingwood. Now it's back to Essendon in terms of securing the services of GWS Ford, Bobby Hill there. So it's a bit of an on again, off again type situation at this point in time. Uh, but there's certainly a lot happening outside of the AFL as well, or even within the realms of AFL news, but not necessarily in the trade period. I'll just do a quick trade wrap of what's happened. Obviously, Collingwood recruit Patrick Lipinski, he says that the midfield squeeze at the Western Bulldogs was a catalyst for him to consider other options. And this is what he had to say on Bob and Andy a little bit earlier on. Uh, I just think, you know, I was playing a lot of VFL and I felt like, you know, I was probably, I was dominating that competition it felt like this year and still wasn't getting a chance. So I think um, I just, from, from that, I really just wanted a fresh start because, you know, there's such great players at, at the Bulldogs in the midfield and none of them are going anywhere anytime soon. And I really just want to take, take a chance and, you know, hopefully get more consistent AFL time. So I think you've got to look at that. And that was probably one of the, another main reason, you know, just the quality of AFL mids and all Australians and, you know, superstars at the dogs it was it's going to be always tough but um there's still you know some really great players at collingwood that i'm keen to learn off and you know be involved with so yeah it's just exciting yeah patrick lipinski there on bob and andy you can understand that so want for greater opportunity elsewhere and he's joining a side which will progressively you would think improve over the coming years and develop so that's always an exciting aspect to be a part of whereas the bulldogs they're probably already at that elite level. Obviously, they made the grand final earlier this year, so there are greater opportunities. And, I mean, there's always an aura about Collingwood as well as a football club. They've always got a big profile, as we know, not only in Victoria, but around the nation. So that's obviously a lure as well. I should mention, too, with Bobby Hill, uh, despite that breaking news earlier from John Ralph, uh, it was mentioned earlier today by Jason McCartney, who's the GWS football boss at Bobby Hill's trade request to Victoria still remains highly unlikely. He'd still be welcomed back at the Giants, obviously, but we'll keep our eyes on that over the next 24 hours. It tends to be like that. I think there's always a calm before the storm 24 hours 
before the end of the trade period deadline. And uh, that might be the case this year. And just in regards to other news in that trade realm, West Coast Jarrah Brander is unlikely to be traded by the end of the period, apparently with interest from Carlton disappearing after they acquired Lewis Young and his manager, David Trotter, I hope the Eagles would allow him to become a delisted free agent. Outside of the trade realm, there are other AFL tidbits. Obviously, legendary AFL coach Alastair Clarkson has landed in the USA to explore business opportunities. He's going to study and observe other sporting clubs. And I suppose a lot of coaches do that these days from Australia. It's probably been the case for the last 20 or so years. Terry Wallace used to do it back when he was at the Western Bulldogs as coach, just learning from other sporting codes. And Clarko's been a real advocate for that. So be a good way to spend his year off absolutely out of the AFL world. Uh, Chris off the SMS says welcome Louis Lipinski. Uh, also off the SMS anonymous here. The NBL release of the fixture was big news. I'll mention that in just a moment uh, the release of the NBL fixture. That's obviously going to be significant in regards to the introduction of a new team, etc. So we'll obviously touch on that shortly. Just in regards to a couple of other AFL news bites, Oscar Brownless has been delisted from Geelong without playing a senior game. He did play 27 games for the Geelong VFL side, and he was, I think, the runner-up in their best and fairest this year. So you do feel for the guy, and obviously it's difficult coming into an AFL sphere when your father has been so well-known and continues to be well-known beyond retirement because he's a media personality on top of a starring AFL career. So it is always difficult to live up to those expectations. I think Tony Shaw, his son, made the Collingwood list, but I don't think he ever played a senior game. We know, uh, obviously, Ray Shaw's sons played footy for a long period of time, but there's always a difficulty for players who are basically following in the footsteps of their father and and trying to make a go of it. And it is difficult in that respect because you've got to forge an identity for yourself. Off the SMS, Stu says, Damo, good to be listening to you. Like your work on the trots now here as well. Thank you very much. Simon from Footscray says, Lipinski is a belated component of compensation for the pies for the Trelaw trade. Fingers crossed. Mind you, I didn't like him saying he'd been dominating the VFL tickets on himself. (laughs) Well, I suppose statistics tell a number of things. And I mean, that's why I feel a little bit for Oscar Brownless. He still did pretty well in the VFL. I think he was averaging around 22 disposals per game. So he wasn't any slouch or anything like that. So we'll see whether he gets picked up elsewhere. Also, former Essendon midfielder Brent Stanton has accepted the role as a VFL coach for the Bombers after spending the last four years at Carlton as a development and assistant coach. Stanton played 255 games for the Dons over 13 seasons. Always felt he was a little bit unlucky. He came to the club sort of in the back end of that period where they had Heard, Lloyd, etc. I think he was there in 04 when they made the finals and had their last finals victory against Melbourne. And after that, he's seen a lot of ups and downs both on and off the field. Not a heck of a lot of ups during that period, it must be said. Also, just in regards to sporting news outside of the AFL, Ben Simmons has returned to the Philadelphia 76ers to take his COVID-19 test. That's part of NBA protocol, but it seems as if things are settling down there a little bit. For now, anyway, we'll see what happens over the coming days and weeks. I should mention, too, the Socceroos are in action tonight. It's going to be significant in the World Cup qualifier against Japan. It's a bid to post their 12th consecutive victory. It's quite a remarkable run, really. It's probably gone under the radar to a certain extent because, obviously, we've had COVID interruptions and the Socceroos didn't play all that much throughout 2020. So this is quite a significant event because Japan have been the yardstick for a long period of time in Asian football. I know Australia's had the wood over them in certain instances. You go back to the Asian Cup of 2015 and also there was that famous 2006 World Cup match where the Aussies absolutely streeted them in the last 10 to 15 minutes of that first game of their campaign in Kaiserslautern. 
But it is pretty significant because Japan, they did very well, probably better than expected in the 2018 FIFA World Cup. They've gone through a little bit of a rough patch lately. They went down to Oman and Saudi Arabia recently, and there is the absolute possibility that they could miss out on the World Cup altogether, Japan, which is inconceivable when you consider how well they did in 2018. A victory for the Socceroos, conversely, would only put maybe a foot and a half into Qatar, but it certainly would be significant in regards to potentially booking a spot in the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Let's head to Mark, who's in Bacchus. Marsh, who's called in, always a character. How are you, Mark? I'm good, my friend. Nice show tonight. How you going? I'm good, mate. Are you driving or just uh, taking in the scenery or something? Yeah, just taking in the scenery, my friend. Just taking in the scenery. Now, Essendon, my favourite team I love to hate. Oh, yes. If you're a supporter of Essendon, you'd have to be disappointed. They've They've been developing... Basically, no players for years just trying to pin players from other clubs left, right and centre. Then last year, they actually took a step forward and drafted some good players with six, seven and eight. And there's a lot of hype around Essendon. You hear the supporters are actually happy. They're developing some kids. And you can hear the excitement in the voices. Mm-hmm. Now, this year, it seems to me they've gone back to their same old self. From what I can see, they got stuff all left in the draft for this year. Maybe, what, pick 11 and 55 or something like that. they got, what, two? And then they've already given away their second round for next year by the looks of Bobby Hill, who's a very hit-and-miss player. So they're already giving away more future potential players that they can develop. I just I just find the way they go about it completely fast. Like, Tadoro, I don't think he's got a clue. You look at the Western Bulldogs blueprint. All of their players virtually, say 80% of their players, 85% of their players are developed internally. But you look at Essendon and you go, are you serious? Like they pinch players already this year from other clubs, again. Hit and miss players. And they just don't work. In fairness... You've got to be feeling as an Essendon supporter. You've got to be feeling. In fairness, though, Mark, the Bombers probably exceeded the expectations of a lot of their own supporters this year from what I heard anecdotally. I mean, people were always sceptical about the coaching change and everything like that, and they have produced some exciting football, so you've got to admit that to an extent. Yeah, on the back of drafting and bringing in new kids. Well, that but could like be the I genesis said, of what's to come. I, I guess that But they've the... gone back to their old ways, mate. Look what they've done this year. He's back to his old ways again. He's getting second-hand crap from other clubs left, right and centre. He's got nothing at the draft table except for pick 11 this year and a 50. And he's given away his future second round again for next year, giving away more potential talent to develop. Mate, that's a joke. Yeah. They literally develop kids this year and you can hear the excitement and they're going back to their same old, same old. But they, Someone's got to call them out. But then again, a lot of those kids are still kids in a way, aren't they? You, you, you put faith into a big realm of the draft. But you need more kids, mate. You need more kids. You need to do it for three years straight. You've got to keep developing for three years straight. You can't just go one year, pull three kids and go, right, we're done now. And we're going to now just pull more players. You've got to keep going, mate. You've got to go for three or four years, develop, develop, go to the draft, go to the draft, go to the draft. You don't go to the draft once every seven or eight years, which is what they've basically done. 
Mm. Isn't it? Last year was the first time they've actually had a crack at the draft for years. And then this year they've gone back to their same old crap again. Mm. And they're, next year's already definitely been going to the same old crap because they've just given away their future All right. second. All right. If, if, you say, if, if what you say is true then, how do you think they'll go next year? They still have a good genesis within their list of players based on what they've produced and they've improved upon this year. Do you think it's going to make any discernible difference? Maybe down the track, perhaps. But for next year, will it make any discernible difference, what you're saying? No, they've got a ha- they're a handful of injuries away from finishing in the bottom four. They've got no depth. Hmm. So okay. they, lose a few, they, lose a few, they lose a few key players, especially down the spine. Hey, they're nowhere. They have, a good, they have a good run like, say, Melbourne did and Richmond did a couple of years ago with injuries. They'll be thereabouts probably pushing for the lower point of the eight again. They've got no depth, really, because they haven't developed and they've only really brought in second-hand chaff from other clubs that aren't really wanted anymore. Uh, just, so, oh, sorry to interrupt, Mark. Just before I do let you go, because there are a couple of callers who are ringing in wanting to respond to you. But from a Bulldogs perspective, I just wanted to ask, because I know you follow the doggies, uh, what are your thoughts on their ruck situation at the moment? Mate, that's as dicey as... Well, I was thinking about that before. Do I talk about S and I'll talk about the dog's ruck? Like, he doesn't want to play Jordan Sweet. Does, and, now, and then West Coast show interest. Now, all of a sudden, he signs in for another three. You've got Segler waiting in the wings. Strong deal hasn't been done yet. They probably could have nipped in and grabbed him, if, but they've decided to keep Sweet. I don't know the logic of how they think in regards to the ruck. I cannot work Bevo out in that regard. If you wanted to keep Sweet... Fine. I don't have an issue with the guy. I think he has a crack. But, mate, why didn't you play him then? Why are you kill- and what's going on with Stefan Martin? Make the call. Let us know. Because if you aren't going to keep Martin, then you probably would have gone, should have gone for Segler. Yeah. So questions need to be asked there as well. But I'm just sitting back. I cannot work out beverage when it comes to the ruck. I can't work him out during the year when he makes his selections for who's playing. And I can't work out what's going on with the draft and whatever with Ruck's situation. Well, th- to me, it's been our Achilles heel. And seriously, it's now getting beyond the joke. So, mate, yeah, I'll call the dogs out, my own club, on it. Because I'm over this whole Ruck crap. I really am. All right. Well, but, Mark, mate, appreciate the call, mate. Always passionate. Thanks very much. You wanted to know what I thought, mate. You uh, got it. Cheers. Absolutely. Good on you, Mark. Mark from Bacchus Marsh. It's an interesting one. I think they might wait another 12 months, that's the word, for the Bulldogs before making any discernible changes to their ruck stocks. I mean, they've also got Sam Darcy waiting in the wings, who's primarily a key forward, but he is tall enough probably to be a ruckman in many respects. Let's head to James, who is in Moody Pods, who wants to respond to Mark. How are you, James? Good, thanks, Sam. How yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for ringing in, buddy. No, no worries. Yeah, I just got to... You know, got got to disagree with him. Uh, to be honest, like I think that, you know, we've got we do have pick eleven this year, um, and that, you know, is our only, you know, decent pick in the draft. Um, but I think, you know, when you when you look back at, you know, the season that we've had in the past seasons, you can see, you know, some improvement on the culture and the way that just we look in general as a football club. I think, you know, we lost, the, you know, the first elimination final this year, and you know there was all that uh, stuff about oh. You know, your X amount of days to since you've won a final is going to increase. But, you know, as as a, I analysed this game a lot. Like, I kept watching because I'm like, there's something there that we haven't seen in a, a while for Essendon. And the foundations are there. The only reason that we lost that is we just got outplayed in the weather, right? We've got good young players. 
We're going to get Jake Kelly in the back line. We're going to bolster up that back line. Hopefully, Michael Hurley's going to be back as well. Um, and I think that, you know, if Bobby Hill comes in, that's going to be a different where we used to play with those two small forwards and a massive uh, full forward that, you know, they used to crumb off him. Um, you know, and we, we saw that and it worked years and years ago. And if that happens again with um, with Tipper and um, and Bobby Hill, that would be fantastic. But I just think, you know, you've got to, you've got to just stop slandering the Dons just because, you know, We've, we've been unfortunate in the last couple of years. I think if you, you know, bring it down to the nitty-gritty, we've actually built the foundations of a solid football club. And, you know, getting these um, acquisitions of, you know, all right, we've got this player, that player, we're getting uh, pick 11, we've got Archie Perkins, we've got Nick Cox. There's another draft pick we haven't even seen yet who Dodoro said is better than both of them combined. Mm. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential in this team. And, you know, I, I think that, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, we we finished in the finals again and actually won a game next season. Well, I think there's certainly potential. I think the feeling around Essendon now is a lot more optimistic than when they last lost in the first week of the finals going back to 2019 when they lost to West Coast. That's the feeling I get because you do have that core group of young players with real scope for development there and just the nature of improvement as well. Having said that, you don't want to go down the path of St Kilda who showed similar signs of improvement in 2020 and then sort of went off the canvas a little bit. Uh, in 2021. So that's obviously what the Bombers will be looking to achieve. Appreciate your call, James, once again, and all the best. Thanks, mate. James from Mooney Ponds there. We'll take a break. You're listening to time on. Certainly a lot of passionate fans out there. If you want to call in, one 736 736 You can text it as well on the temper text machine, 0433981116. Already some passionate ones coming through. Uh, this is from Keno in Aspendale. We got Corbwell with our second round this year. I'll take that. Thanks, Mark, from Bacchus Marsh. Also off the SMS, Mark says, this guy is a peanut, one of those guys who thinks he knows everything. Yeah, his dogs have been awesome for the last 40 years. How many flags have they won? Oh, that's right, one. That bloke is a joke. Also, Rob from Datura says you might be losing your job. Damo to Mark from Bacchus Marsh. Off the SMS, Shifty from Essendon. Why is it Mark, a list manager, absolute crown, uh, clown? Also, anonymous here, most premiers have around seven to ten recruits. So you get players you know rather than ones you don't, particularly when you have a core group of young players already there. Uh, also, anonymous here, yeah, Jake Stringer was second-hand crap. What's he got about? Dylan Shield was a mistake, but the other trades... Uh, young guys with talent. one 736 Your say on the news of the day here on Time On on SEN. Damien Watson with you. More to come on the other side. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday evening. Damien Watson in the chair just filling in tonight for Sam Hargraves. If you want to call in, the lines are open. one 736 736 with your say on the news of the day. You can text it as well. 0433981116. Let's head to Steve who's in Clyde. Lovely part of the world. How are you, Steve? You good demo yourself? Not too bad. Far away. Um, just Essendon. I think he just needs to stick with his own side after they lost the grand final by seventy points after being three goals in front during the third <laughs> quarter. The only team in history it was the biggest fall from grace we've ever seen. Um, and to say that we don't actually develop players is an absolute disgrace. I mean, I can reel off twenty already just off the top of my head without looking at the list. And one bloke finished in the top five in the Brownlow this year in Darcy Parish. Where did he come from? Oh, that's right, the draft. Um, Jack Merritt. He's won three best in Ferris at Essen. He's not even 25 yet. And Heppel as draft. well. He's been there for a long period of time and, and developed Dyson his leadership Apple, skills. Sam Draper. Jordan Ridley's 21, want to be in F. Mason Redmond. 
Well, who else can we go? Let's see. Um, the three blokes we picked up last year. Yeah, I can get going, but I don't like to get so. <laughs> I think that that last quarter and a half is going to kill them. Absolutely kill their spirit. They're a good side, but they're not going to come back from that for another two or three years. Um, the Bombers will be up there this year, next year. And the bloke that said the SMS about Dylan Shield being a mistake doesn't do his next year. And midfield is just as good as anybody's. <laughs> like, we missed him big time. Like, people just don't don't realise how good he actually is. Mm. Well, he must have dropped out there. Uh, we'll try and get him back on the line. Uh, in the meantime, Andrew is in Nidri. He wants to talk about Essendon's list as well. We'll get him up shortly, just off the SMS uh, Mark from Beckus Marsh, nine of the dogs to play last year are from elsewhere and now add O'Brien who comes in. That'll be 10 out of 38, taking less rookies this year by the looks of it. That's anonymous there, reflecting on the Bulldogs. Also on the SMS, uh, Michael texting in from Bob Beach. Your mate who called him before was rather excitable. I'm on his side, though. I can't stand Essendon. I listened to an interview with Michael Gibbons, the delisted Carlton player. Unfortunately, he was always going to be up against it being re-signed because the Blues have two small forwards in Durden and Honey who are better than him at this point. I really didn't think that Gibbo was good enough to play in the Blues midfield, even though the team had a less than palatable year. I hope that Michael is recruited by a team because he is a good footballer, albeit in patches, and can go missing at times. I did feel a bit sorry for him, to be honest with you, because he was a good contributor in certain instances. Let's head to Andrews in Nidri. How are you, mate? Uh, good, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. And how can you not love Essendon? They make the league and they make the news. So oh, all these there, are, there, are, haters, there are just as many Victorian clubs who make the news, and that's been proven in the trade uh, period. Uh, well, that's your, that's your perspective. My perspective is the opposite. But um, <laughs> I'm going to let you... Uh, our biggest problem at Essendon is it's great to get Hill, but we really need... I know they've got uh, Sack Reed coming through, um, hopefully the next one or two years, and they've got a lot of young players. But we really need an experienced uh, 198, either centre-half forward or centre-half back type of player because we're lacking a bit of height and a bit of weight in those positions. Um, most of our key position players, except for Wright, are 193. Um, they're just too small. And if we're going to be a contender or pretend to be a contender, we need to fix up that centre-half forward, centre-half-back slot, um, and we need to do it fairly quickly. Do you think, so it's, do you think that's more of important... Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, Andrew. Is that more yeah. important than focusing on a small forward like Hill at the moment? Do you think there's too much surrounding that? I know Hill probably nominated Essendon as his preferred club, but, but still, uh, is that the main focus, do you think, from an Essendon point of view? It should be on the tools. I, I, I think uh, selected tools. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there hopefully there'd be something we can pick up in the draft or pre-season draft. But even it's someone like Talia or someone who who needs a second chance, who is who is a key forward or key back, because it's just too. It's putting too much pressure on those on on Francis, on the Verdi, on Hurley to hold down those key positions. Um, and I think that uh, we can cover, we can cover um, those small position players, um, you know. Uh, but we don't have um, a key monster. Yeah, well, and that's the you... bottom line. And um, you look at it, go through all the go through the sizes of Essendon, and they're all one ninety three, one ninety five, you know, one eighty eight. Um, it's just, and when we go against these top sides with these big these big guys, we 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 get outreached, and uh, and it puts just too much pressure on us. 
Yeah, well, it's, uh, I guess it's a half-decent point because ultimately they do make such an integral difference. When you have athletic key position players who are tall, they can take the game by the scruff of the neck, and that's what a lot of the recruiters go for these days, although there's still value in having a balanced side, I think, where you have yep. players who are smaller and maybe don't have the key position prototype, but they have the footballing nous. Uh, Andrew, appreciate mm-hmm. your call, mate. Thanks very much. Thank you. Andrew from Nidri there. If you want to text in, 0433981116 off the temper text. Uh, just anonymous here. Go Socceroos. Make history by beating Japan in Japan. Of course, that match to kick off is at a weird time. 9.14pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. I suppose a lot of people look at the 2.10pm start that the AFL have had for a number of years or 1.45 and think that's strange. But yeah, 9.14. Uh, I've always found that a bit weird. But hey, as long as it kicks off, that's the main thing. Let's turn our attention now to the market updates for Bet Deluxe. Paul Sebastiani joins us from Bet Deluxe. How are you, Paul? I'm very well, Damon, and yourself. Good to, good to do it again. Yes, absolutely. The 1,000 guineas market is hotting up. The Everest is on its way as well. So spring racing certainly at its pinnacle at the moment or approaching the pinnacle at the very least. So what are the market updates at the moment for the 1,000 guineas? Yeah, we're almost in full gear, this uh, Group 1,000 guineas. Back to the Wednesday this year, the uh, traditional time slot for the 1,000 guineas. The favourite with Bet Deluxe is Hinged. So race seven, number two, Hinged, has been the subject of good early support as well. Bit about 460 into $3.90 with au. But uh, the favourite initially when markets opened up was Suzarella. She's held firm at around about the $4.60 quote. And Barb Raider, a late acceptor for the race at $5 as well. But uh, I think I'm going to be in the camp of Zuzarella. She handles a wet ground. There's a little bit of rain predicted tomorrow for, for uh, Caulfield. So uh, I'd be with Zuzarella. And then the Blue Sapphire as well tomorrow. Race six, number one. Profiteer, the favourite, at $2.70. But there's been money for the stable mate, Extreme Warrior. It's been $10 into $5 at betdeluxe.com.au. So a big day of Group 1 racing at Caulfield tomorrow. Yeah, I must admit I love the fact that there's a feature event on a Wednesday because throughout most of the winter we have the racing from Sandown. There's not a heck of a lot of class there sometimes. And I know we've got the Geelong mm. Cup on the Wednesdays traditionally as well later on. So uh, I don't mind that during the middle of the week. Also, the NFL markets, the early NFL markets for this week. Uh, earlier, Rob, we had Baltimore claim a very tight victory over the Indianapolis Colts. What can you tell us about the early markets for the NFL? Yeah, Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. It's a Thursday night prime time action between uh, between the Buccaneers and the Eagles. The Buccaneers, Tom Brady, his Buccaneers are a dollar thirty favourite with Bet Deluxe. The Eagles three dollars and fifty cents, and the handicap there. The point spread is set at minus six and a half. So there's been money for the Eagles at the plus six and a half. They're a dollar eighty six. Tampa Bay just drifting out minus six and a half out to a dollar ninety four, and the total points is set at fifty two at the moment. So a dollar ninety each of two the overs and unders there. But uh, Tom. Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers well fancied to win that Thursday night primetime game over there in the US. I like that term, each of two. Very Peter Landy-esque, Paul. Appreciate your time. (laughs) Thanks very much. No worries. We'll chat very soon, Damien. All the best. Paul Sebastiani there from Bet Deluxe. Spring racing specials every day. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the app today. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. We'll take a break. Back with more of your calls on the other side. Feel free to ring in. The lines are open. 1-300-736-736 as you drive home. You can text in on the temper text machine as well. 0433-981116 with your views on the news of the day. Not only from an AFL point of view, I know we're... 
reaching the climax of the trade period virtually over the next 24 or so hours. But there's a lot happening outside of that as well. The Socceroos are in action tonight against Japan. The NBL schedule has been released. I know the WBBL starting as well later on this week as far as cricket is concerned. So there's still plenty of sporting action around. one 736 to rig in. More of your calls on the other side. Don't mind that sweep of music. It's something you'd have, I reckon, in your playlist for a road trip or something like that. Fantastic. Damien Watson with you, filling in for Sam Hargraves on time on. If you want to call in, lines are open, one 736 With your views on the news of the day, you can text it as well, 0433-981116 on the temper text machine. Just in relation to some other the news points going around, in regards to the trade period as well, Sam Petrescu, see, that's an interesting one, isn't it? given he was picked up by the Blues, I think as a top 10 pick a number of years ago, and he's basically gone to the Eagles for pick 50-odd. So it does go to show that things do change over a few years. He could play well in spurts. He was a little bit spasmodic, but when he was on song, he could be very much an excitement machine. So we'll see what a change in club will do. Maybe it'll give him a new lease of life. He had a chat with Dwayne Russell on Dwayne's World during the day. Let's see what he had to say. The process has been pretty smooth, to be honest. Um, I've been in, the, in and around the facility yesterday and I'm about to head in today and um, hopefully make myself a bit comfortable with the joint already and I mean, just head in and for, for a gym session. So um, uh, I spoke to Simo when I was about ring the day I got traded and a few days after that, but um, I think he's, gone to, he's still on holiday at the moment, so I look forward to chatting to him pretty soon. Did he tell you where he's thinking of playing you? Yeah, well, that was a fair idea. Um, I think well, I play my best footy through that midfield forward role. So you know, if I can you know, c- contribute to the to the team playing that role, um, then you know, hopefully you know play some some good footy, um, and you know contribute to the team in that in those positions. So there you go, Sam Petrevsky, Seaton on joining the West Coast Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles, Luke Foley, the West Coast defender, has signed a two-year contract extension, so that takes him through to the end of 2023. He's 22 years of age. There's still plenty of footy left ahead of him. He's been in long-running negotiations about an extension. He signed on uh, with the Eagles, obviously, having a bit of an inactive trade period, aside from, obviously, that Petrescu-Seaton situation. So they're settling their list, you would think. Josh Kennedy's expecting to commit to one year, a one-year deal, and Shannon Hearn, likewise, they've been around for such a significant period of time. Off the SMS, Rob Dog here says the problem with the Dons is they have players like Stringer, 2-meter Peter, Shield and Parrish. I wouldn't want to be in the trenches with them. So also off the SMS, Anonymous here. I don't have to work tomorrow. Wrapped, I can watch the Socceroos tonight. That is going to be fantastic. We'll see if they can test their mettle against the Japanese who are considered, as I said before, the benchmark of Asian football. That's despite the fact that they haven't been in the best of form over the last probably year or so. In terms of other trade news, by the way, from an AFL point of view, Tim Lamb, the Melbourne List manager, had a chat on mornings earlier on today on the Luke Dunstan situation. Yeah, we had... Uh, so, Nathan Jones and Aaron Vandenberg both both left with Nathan retiring and, and Vanders and us mutually agreeing to part ways. They were our two oldest midfielders on the list. So, we felt that we just needed a bit more experience in that area of the ground. So, Luke at 26 comes in as our second oldest midfielder, amazingly, behind Jack Viney. Mm. Um, we're a contest-based team. Luke's an elite contest player. And just as importantly, he's a, um, he's a terrific cultural fit for the club. Um, we, we thought he finished the year in great fashion at the Saints. Um, he comes with a real drive and real hunger um, to improve his game. And we think 
we really think he's got some improvement in him and he's got a lot of good AFL footy left in him, Luke. So um, we're, we're really happy he's come on board. Tim Lamb there, the Melbourne list manager, discussing Luke Dunstan. It's a good acquisition, isn't it? You'd be wetting the appetite if you're a Melbourne Demons fan because ultimately they have such a strong, hearty list at the moment, a premiership list as we know, and they have the capacity to continue their dominance for the next few years, I think, because there's a fair core of youth in there. So the addition of Luke Dunstan will certainly do them no harm and you just worry about the rest of the competition sometimes. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in just before I take more of your calls. In regards to other news items sports-wise, Mac Horton has relocated to the Gold Coast to prepare for the Paris 2024 Olympics under coach, new coach Michael Boll. And the NBL fixture, as I flagged before for the upcoming season, was released today. Tip-off is set for Friday, December the 3rd. The Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, the new side, are going to usher in a new era when they open the season against the Adelaide 36ers. So that's going to be the opener. The Melbourne United side, they're going to begin their championship defence a couple of days after that against their arch rivals in the Sydney Kings. one 736 736 I'll touch on a bit more of that shortly. Always love my fixtures. Let's head to Stefan, who's in Glebburn. How are you? Is it Stefan or Stefan? I always get this mixed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's Stefan. Stefan, there we go. No worries. Yeah, no, 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 no Italiano here. Just full Aussie bogan. <laughs> Good on you, mate. You want to chat about the Bobbers? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Andrew from Nidri, if you're still listening, um, I've got fantastic news for you. Uh, we recruited Josh Eyre last draft, who's 198 centimetres, and he's a forward. So um, we already have him in the wings, and um, we also got Cody Brand, who is around the same height as a centre-half back, to work with um, Zach Reed. So we have already those two players in development. Oh, that's a good point you make. Uh, do you think there will be, realistically, an increase of game time for them next year? You would think they would, obviously, try and get as many games into them as possible whilst progressing on the field yeah. in terms and of results? Because they'd be pushing, they made the finals, they want to take that next step. Yeah, and, I'll be, and I forgot about Harrison Jones as well, Harrison Jones. Um, so Josh Eyre and Cody Brand are about 19 years old, so I don't think that their bodies are mature enough. Um, they're still just skin and bone. But they're playing, they've got Alex Rance there now to develop them. Um, they Stanton could be playing yeah, I think that's fantastic. I didn't realise he's played the 13th most games for Essendon out of um, all time, and it's their 150th year this year coming yeah. up. So and They're releasing a documentary, I think, in the next month or so as well about Essendon's history, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be aired um, on the 19th of October, um, and I think it's six episodes. So all those people that are messaging in saying Essendon are this and Essendon are that, just remember that we're 150 years old, so um, one of the oldest clubs in the, in the world. Yeah, that's right, and they have a significant amount of history attached to them. Just on Stanton, you mentioned yep. before about how it's a good appointment. Obviously, he's done a bit of an apprenticeship in terms of assistance and developing structures as well at Carlton over the last few years. So taking that role yep. as a VFL coach will be interesting. I guess that's the other thing about developing players that we probably forget to acknowledge over the last couple of years. We've had, what, half a VFL season within that time and half a NAB League season. So there is going to be a difference in quality, I think, going forward with a lot of these younger players because they just haven't had as much game time. Unless you're entrenched within the best 22 of your footy club, um, it's hard to really get a read on what someone is capable of when we haven't seen them play a heck of a lot of footy over the space of what has 
ostensibly been a two-year period almost. No, that's right. And and also being in quarantine and travelling between hubs, um, that would stuff up your gym routine, uh, guessing. I know they've got gyms, but like it would still stuff up your physical and mental preparation. Yeah, there always is going to be some effect, maybe less so this year because they weren't in a hub or a fixed hub anyway, necessarily. But it does affect your, your physical yep. now in that respect. Uh, Stefan, yep. very, thanks yep. very much for your call. Yeah. No, no worries. Can I ask quickly about Bobby Hill? Um, yeah, yeah. What are your just thoughts? One question. Yep. So if he requests a trade to Essendon, how can a club like GWS want to keep him when they know that his heart's not in it and he's having a baby? I see your points. I guess there's probably some reassurances. You've got to remember he's still a youngster as well. I see your point about why keep a player who clearly doesn't want to be there. But it has shown, I mean, you look at uh, things could change. Look at Tom Papley, for instance. He was looking as if he was going to get out of Sydney and move to Carlton. That didn't happen. And he's pretty keen to stay on from all accounts. And Josh Dunkley's the same from last year. So in terms of the Bulldogs. Yeah. So things do yeah, change. Yeah. So I think there's still that scope for development and things can change. I can understand, though, for family reasons, why you would want to move back to a different state. The thing that only the thing that frustrates me, if you want to isolate a certain point, though, is when players move back to a certain state for whatever, you know, for a certain personal reason, which is fine. But I'm not as much of a fan of players eyeing off I know they're entitled to have their preferences, but eyeing off one particular club, I've got to go to this particular club. Whereas if, if you are genuinely motivated, and of course he's genuinely motivated to come back to Victoria, but I think in regards to certain players, when they do move back to a, a particular state, I would be open to all offers from all clubs within that state. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's interesting, like, why recruit someone if you know... They're going to want to leave in the end. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a hot topic. Because they used to have zones back in the 80s or 90s, didn't they? You would only <laughs> yeah, recruit from your zone. You're going back a long, long way there, the zone, until I think the draft was brought in in 1986. But, yeah, they did have that zone system, which uh, would be fickle at times because it depended. Some players were virtually on the border, weren't they? And it's funny how that dictates the realm of one's career. Hey, uh, Stefan, thanks very much for your time, mate. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thanks. Have a good night. Stefan from Glenburn there. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to rig in. You can text it as well on the temper text line 0433-981116. Damien Watson with you on Time On for this Tuesday night. Welcome back. Hope you're having a splendid Tuesday evening. Damien Watson here with you on SEN, your home of sport for Time On, where we discuss the latest news and get your views as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to call in or off the temper text machine. Temper a mattress like no other. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Just quickly, I mentioned before the NBL fixture was released earlier on this morning. Jeremy Laliga, the NBL commissioner, had this to say on the breakfast program, particularly on the Jack Jumpers, the new acquisition, which I always think is exciting. You can debate about the name and how good it is or how poor it is, whatever you like. But uh, I do like the fact that they're expanding into the Tasmania market. Let's hear what he had to say earlier on this morning. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, significant roster. They've got some great local talent, but they've uh, they've topped it off with a couple of big signings from overseas. And I uh, saw yesterday they were out and about meeting all the local wildlife, which was pretty <laughs> fun. I think Nikita Mikolovsky from Russia hadn't seen a a Tassie Devil or a Wombat before, so that was a bit of a highlight for him. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing them out on court, and they've been given the honour of hosting the season opener 
against Adelaide at, at My State Bank Arena on the 3rd of December, which is a, a very exciting occasion for us. And it's virtually going to be a double header as well. So the Tasmania Jack Jumpers will take on the Adelaide 36ers. And then after that, the Perth Wildcats, who just continue to keep on keeping on, they're going to try and reach a 36th straight finals appearance, which would be unbelievable when they kick off their campaign or tip off their campaign, if we want to use the correct terminology. They're taking on Brisbane on that opening night, the second leg of the double header. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's head to Dave, who's in Turin. How are you, Dave? I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah. I listen, uh, old mate that was from Nadri, was he? Yeah, Bag Andrew, the Bombers. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon I'm, I'm a Cardinal supporter, mm-hmm. but I reckon the Bombers, the best move they ever did last year was you know, um, getting the three uh, young kids come in for Joe and Sard, uh, and I reckon they've they've improved that much. Um, <laughs> give them a couple of years, they'll be okay. Uh, the other thing I'd like to, uh, uh, what do you think? Who's done the best in the trade period? Um, yep. I'm, I'm a Blues boy, and I'm happy with the way the Blues are going. Mm-hmm. And Petreski Soden. For Lewis Young, I'd take that every day. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, there was a lot of praise towards the Blues last year as well during the trade period. I think I tend to agree with Kane Corns in his assessment. I think there are six clubs who've had decent trade periods, Carlton being one of those. Adelaide, Collingwood, Fremantle, Melbourne and North Melbourne, the others. Obviously, North are probably going to benefit given the situation they're in. And a lot of uh, clubs are trying to go after that number one pick. There have been some extraordinary offers, apparently, that have been made, but North Melbourne are saying, no, you're not going to take our number one pick. So those will probably be the six clubs. I mean, there are a couple of teams that have been relatively inactive. I know West Coast got Sam Petrevsky-Seaton, but other than that, nothing overly significant. You've also got Brisbane, who may get Darcy Fort, but other than that, they've been pretty inactive this trade period. So... That'd probably be if you that, want to assess both ends of the scale. That's what's happened, at least in my view. The the other thing that makes a big difference: the Bombers played the bottom six teams last year. Carlton will play the bottom six times six uh, teams this year. Mm-hmm. Could make a big difference. Oh, the draw always makes a big difference. But they were winnable. Carlton had winnable games, which they squandered. And that ultimately cost them a final spot when it did look as if it was going to be tight coming into that final couple of weeks on the table as to who would actually break in. And uh, they only have themselves to the blame, in my view. Well, uh, the draw's got a lot to do with it. I think that's the reason the Bombers rose so high. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, at the start of the year, there were some naysayers. And in in the first round, they had that loss to Hawford, didn't they, by points. So people were like, gee, where is this club going? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, mate. Good on you, Dave. Dave from Turidan there on the line. Thanks very much for your calls. I'm going to take more calls on the other side of this break. We've got trade evenings to look forward to. Not a heck of a lot happening today, as is usually the case on the penultimate day of the trade period, but plenty of hypotheticals to ponder ahead of deadline day tomorrow. Damien Watson with you on SEN, your home of sport. Really enjoyed the chats already. Hopefully that continues. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.